When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to How To Money, a financial education podcast for young Australians aimed at opening up the conversation around money. In each episode, your host, Kate Campbell, brings in a variety of guests to explore everything from buying shares to starting your own business, all with the aim of kickstarting your personal finance journey. Just a quick reminder that everything we cover in this podcast is for financial education purposes only, and we are not giving you any advice. If you do want advice, please seek the help of a qualified and competent professional and do some research. Remember, it's your money, so take control. Larisha, thank you so much for joining me on the How To Money podcast today. Thanks for having me. Now, I know you're doing a lot of really exciting stuff. And when we met for coffee a few weeks back, I was surprised at how much you were actually doing. And so I was wondering if you could just uh, let listeners know a bit about some of the cool projects you're working on at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Just before I begin, I'd just like to acknowledge um, the traditional custodians of the land that I'm on today. So I'm here tuning in um, on Kabi Kabi country here north side of Mianjin. So in other words, Mianjin means um, Brisbane. We are the traditional and only custodians of um, across Australia. I acknowledge the continuing connection to our land, waters, skies and communities. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we continue to maintain our wisdom and rich culture, the oldest continuous culture on the planet, despite having experienced genocide, dispossession and colonisation. I pay my respects to our elders past and present. Sovereignty has never been ceded um, in this land, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So as you mentioned, yes, my name is Larisha Jerome and I'm a proud Jadawa, Waka Waka and Willy Willy woman from southeast Queensland. And I was very lucky to grow up on Durry country in Western Sydney. So currently now I have the privilege to lead our Indigenous Women's Financial Wellness Project here at First Nations Foundation. This project was developed to increase the economic security of Indigenous women across Australia and, you know, of course, in particular in response to the reduced economic security to COVID-19 through financial literacy education and training, linking with community organisations and creating a safe, sacred women's only spaces where we could have these conversations. Wonderful. And when I met you, I was definitely struck by how passionate you were about helping people with their financial literacy. And what got you started on this journey of helping Indigenous Australians take control of their finances, considering most of us don't actually like talking about money and don't ever talk about money growing up? 
Yeah, definitely. I grew up in a single mother household. I'm living in housing commission. Money was never talked about. It was just more of a in that money lack type of mind frame. And I just knew that, you know, growing up, that's not the future that I want for, you know, the generations after me. Ultimately, my aim is to redress the economic injustice that Indigenous people face, especially as an Indigenous woman. Growing up, just seeing the impacts of being in a single mother household and how we had stolen wages back in the day and stolen generations and still that, those implications that are still coming up within, you know, a lot of people say that it was a long time ago, but that's just my mother, my grandmother. It's not that long ago. I think I just knew that I was going to be the one to break that generational pattern within my family and working, you know, across banking, Indigenous affairs, financial capability, debt collection, um, financial hardship, and even in the financial abuse prevention unit through domestic and family violence. So this project has been so good to bring all of my previous experience into the one resource hub to make it all accessible to all the women across the country. Absolutely. And you do have a lot of fantastic resources, which we'll dive into a little bit more later on in the episode. But I was wondering if you're able to share some of the differences as you've grown up in both systems between the the Western economic system, let's call it that, and your First Nations economic system, and maybe a little bit of background for listeners if they're not really aware. Yeah, definitely. So just a good point around this. So one of our big things that we do, the main thing that we do at First Nations Foundation is our My Money Dream program. And, you know, there's a couple of core modules and that second core module is around culture and the economy. We talk about how the Western economic system, they consider it good to accumulate wealth beyond what's necessary. The acquisition of land and natural resources became the basis of wealth building here in Australia. The Western concept of land ownership has become a strong cultural value with many people, um, you know, aspiring to own property, land or a home. This is what people refer to as the Australian dream, to own their own home and to have more than, you know, living in within your means. Um, I think that's one of the differences between, you know, the Western economic system and then our system is for our mob, we share our values in living off the land and in accordance of the available resources. We don't take more than what is needed. And prior to colonisation, our Indigenous economic system was alive and allowed us to survive for over 60,000 years. It's all about our community and sharing our resources and allowing all of us to thrive. It's not just you go and accumulate a house, that's your wealth, but you just keep it within your family. With us, it's about keeping our community strong and, you know, empowering just our women even, and that in in turn um, empowers our whole community. So I think, yeah, um, for our mob and also non-Indigenous people, the way that we perceive wealth is different between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. We're dealing with family and financial pressure as well in the present is considered more pressing than planning for financial shocks in the future as well. You know, we've got to consider the economic disadvantage, which includes unemployment, financial problems, you know, poverty and economic exclusion for our First Nations mob across the country. And, yeah, it's just a lot to unpack. And, you know, it also takes a lot of accountability for people that we're never 
taught our Indigenous history within school. Um, I definitely know that I wasn't. And also we were never taught financial literacy education and that goes across, you know, Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. So it's like how can we empower young people to change the generational patterns that didn't build that generational wealth for us? So I think it's, yeah, definitely just learning about why our perceptions of wealth is so different, which is so important to understand whether you're Indigenous or non-Indigenous. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned when we met up that there's different pressures for even assisting family with money and goods and services. And that sort of adds additional pressures because you're not just looking after your own financial situation. You're actually looking out for the people around you as well, which makes things a little bit more complicated, I guess, when you're budgeting and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's another thing that we really touch on. We've got our family pressures as well, because as I mentioned before, accumulating wealth isn't a necessity for us within our communities. We just want to make sure that we've got a home, we've got food, our family, our babies are healthy. And that's the main thing within our community. And just how can we empower everyone collectively? We're all participating in this society as a collective. So I feel like for non-Indigenous and Indigenous people to work better together is how we, you know, empower each other because we are, we're all in the society as a collective and we all need to be, we all need to know our history. We all need to understand. We all need to take that ownership as well because we're constantly learning. Even me in my role, I'm still constantly learning and, you know, we'll always be learning. So I think, yeah, just around that as well. A lot of our money shame is a lot in the community. And, you know, that's self-sabotaging behavior as well and just that changing your mindset. And that's why within this project, I really wanted to make it more of a holistic approach rather than there's a lot of financial service providers that do go out and do provide some education and resources and things, but then they're just leaving that with the community and it's not how do you maintain that and keep that sustainable education and information relevant for a lot of those community organisations. They're the grassroots that work with the community every single day. So one of our main focuses is doing our on-country program, which is where we go out and we upskill these people that are working within the community, within those grassroots communities. So yeah, we'll go out there, teach them how to facilitate the program and become mentors. And then they'll be able to teach that within their community. So we're not just going out there, giving them this information, leaving it up to the financial counsellors and financial capability workers and just being like, yep, done, that's it. But it's actually how can we build and make that sustainable and having all those resources available to everyone. Mm, And building financial capability is so important, especially empowering people to actually use those tools and then help others rather. Like you can give someone a budget, but if you don't do all the other stuff that goes around that, it's not much help, is it? Yeah, definitely. And from previous, our past, my grandfather, he worked on stolen wages. So how can we have the expectation really that, you know, we're in control of our own money when back in the day we had no concept of wealth or money? We didn't even have our money given to us. It was all in rations and all of that. So it's like, how can you expect this when there are still communities out there that are living on a basics card. 
which is not good enough if you want financial inclusion within this country and us to participate in the society as a collective, then how can you still strip away our own financial education and our own, you know, financial autonomy as well? We're having, if we're going to be in control of our financial futures, how can we have that when the systems that are built for us do not support that? So I think, yeah, it's just really hard to navigate within this country, those sorts of things when it's like, you know, you want our people to be financially secure, financially empowered, financially independent. But how can we do that when we're not given that opportunity? I think it's so sad that, you know, you go out into remote communities and a six pack of toilet paper is like $40. It's just ridiculous. You're out on community and you have to top up a basics card and tap on before you can use your electricity. It's just crazy to believe that you do want that financial freedom and financial contentment when there's so many barriers for you to get to that point. Mm. And speaking of the barriers, I know a lot of what we do with the podcast and there's a lot of other organisations and people doing this as well, helping other young Australians sort of build that financial future. But I really did want to acknowledge that we're not all starting the race at the same points. We're, we're all starting from different points in our own financial journey. And yes, there's a lot of resources and there's a lot of stuff individuals can do on their own to change that. But there's a lot of systemic and issues from sort of top level down that we can't always do anything about. And I was wondering if you're able to share maybe some of the biggest challenges that young Indigenous Australians face when it comes to managing their money and maybe taking control of their own financial future at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, that's also a very important point that you mentioned, Kate. And we're all going through our own things. You know, there's COVID-19, there's the current floods at the moment. There is complete economic distress across everyone across the country. And it just really goes to show that all of us are going through this as well. And I think the severity of the economic injustice that Indigenous people already face is just becoming more amplified now. And it's just being in, to be able to learn about this and, you know, taking an active allyship kind of thing to this sort of issue is go to do training, the My Money Dream training, whether you're Indigenous or non-Indigenous, this training, whether you live on this land or you work with Indigenous people, it's just so important either way. The first couple of modules, it's focusing on our culture and the economy, and then it's also giving you all the basics to budget, bills, automation, home ownership, everything that you need to know in this one program. And then we've also got our Tomorrow Money website, which we will link on later. But yeah, so that's just like an online resource hub for young Indigenous Australians to be able to read all that information. Because I think one of the other things is that managing community expectations. We can go out and advertise for all of this training, but we can't help people that cannot help themselves. So I think it's really important as well around, you know, your self-concept. That's one of the main things that I really focus on within um, the money masterclasses that we run through the Women's Project, your mindset, your motivation, your self-development and your self-help. So I think it also goes to being acknowledging your own position and just how you can navigate out of that 
and being aware and just taking control of that as well, taking away that money shame, the self-sabotaging. I think even as a teen, I was so bad with that. You know, I already had that negative talk and it was always a lack of money and it was never about how can I accumulate wealth. And I think going through those different stages within my life, just the insecurity of not having financial freedom or independence growing up, I think that's what really pushed me. When I turned 21, I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy a house. That's my thing. I want to have that that security just for myself so I can work on, you know, how I can become better and embody that. People talk about this all the time, but you have to embody what you want to become. And I think that's one of the main passions for this project is, you know, embodying being abundant, being capable, educating myself, being accountable for, we can't go back and change the past. I can't go back to when growing up with my mom, her negative beliefs about money. So it's all about how we can acknowledge it, educate ourselves, empower ourselves. And also education is definitely one of the biggest things for sure. Absolutely. And just achieving those goals that you set for yourself, like buying your first home is such an empowering feeling and it does help you with confidence in all areas of your life because I think we often forget at how much money is tied to everything else we experience. We, we like to kind of put money in this separate category, but it's actually tied to all of our experiences and the way we see the world. And I think that's a fantastic thing, just the aspect of setting goals and like congrats on buying your first home. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah that's, yeah, that's a really good point as well. The most important thing about the work that we do at First Nations Foundation is we're talking about it as in your overall holistic financial health in a holistic approach. Spirituality is Indigenous. I talk about it all the time. You know, mentally, you want to achieve financial wellness. Spiritually, you want financial contentment. And then physically, we all want financial freedom. Mentally, I want to have the mindset that I'm abundant and capable and educated enough to achieve that financial wellness. Spiritually, you want to be at ease and comfortable and not worrying about money shame or allowing those self-limiting beliefs to, you know, take over your mind. You don't want to feel sick in your stomach, you know, whether or not your bills are paid or if your family is okay and you want that overall financial contentment. And then, of course, physically having financial freedom the freedom to be able to provide, share and have enough support to cover you and your family and the communities around you. I think for me, just having that financial autonomy and building that generational wealth, we're going to be the first ones, I believe, to break that systemic oppression. I'm, you know, we're coming up in a generation now where we are the first ones in our family. And I think there's been so much work done, which is so great to see, especially with a lot of, you know, reconciliation action plans that are coming out within financial services and providers to close that gap between our mob being able to have that financial kind of gap put together and just taking that as financial wholeness is a form of self-care. So it's around being Aboriginal-led, trauma-informed practices um, and giving the power back to our grassroots mob who are doing the work within our communities. And I know you've worked with some young people and you've got some great stories to share where you've actually helped them take those steps to really take control of their own financial future. Are you able to share a couple of these with our listeners? Yeah, definitely. So 
I think just opening up the conversation about money to begin with. One of our biggest barriers within our community is the money shame. And I believe that's across the board as well. Nobody likes talking about money. And it's so cool now that my friends or my family would come to me and be like, oh, how can I learn about this? Um, You know, I want to get a loan. I want to buy a house. I think that is just amazing within itself, having the conversations. And we've got our private Facebook group where women are sharing their lived experiences, you know, their money losses and lessons. And us listening to those stories are how we better ourselves and, you know, educate ourselves as well. I did some training a couple of months back with some high school students and I was blown away with some of the girls that were like, oh, I want to start a business. Um, I want to buy my first home, all this stuff. I want to learn about tax. And I was just like, wow, I cannot believe that the generation now are coming up with that because I just remember back in the day, I was not interested in any of that whatsoever. And yeah, just that conversation was amazing. And one of the girls actually, um, one of her goals was to buy her first car. And then, yeah, we did a um, follow-up check how she was going. And yeah, at the end of school, she ended up buying her first car, which is just so amazing because her being able to do that and setting those financial goals herself at such a young age, her being able to embody that and share that with her friends and her family is going to make so much of an impact within her family and her community. So yeah, I love that one. That was, yeah, one of the best moments. And just, yeah, I just love people having conversations about money now um, because, you know, we never speak about it. And it's just like, well, we're all, we're all going through the same thing, you know, and we all have things to learn from other people. And it just takes one person starting that conversation in their family and community to really spark a massive change. And it's kind of like that ripple effect where one person does it. So it's okay for the next person to talk about saving and their goals and paying off debt and then makes it okay for the next person. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. And there are a lot of resources and I know you work with quite a lot of them, but sometimes it can be hard when you are just getting started to actually know where to go and what to start with. And so if anyone's listening that is an Indigenous Australian and does want to get started with improving their own financial journey, what would be the main resources you would uh, send them to? So the main resources would be the My Money Dream website. So you can go on there and actually do the financial literacy education training. And that's like two and a half hours self-paced. And you also get a certificate of completion afterwards. So that's a really amazing thing to set the foundations to be able to overtake and do whatever you want with your financial position. So we've got our My Money Dream program. We've also got our Tomorrow Money website. So that's www.tomorrowmoney.co, which is an online resource hub focusing on anything to do with money. And we've got articles from Indigenous-led people within those financial services and providers and that's dedicated to helping young more plan for their futures and then of course we've got our women's part of the program so you can go on to still the same website so www.tomorrowmoney.co forward slash women and that'll have all the information women specific as well and that'll also refer to our private Facebook group where women can join and get involved as well Um, and they'll have access to whenever we're doing a monthly webinar. So I run those every month um, with a different topic um, and I'll have a special guest on there. 
So yeah, there's so many resources out there. But yeah, it's really amazing that um, our Tomorrow Money website has all of those resources all in the one platform. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think the resources are there now. So it's more just taking that first step of searching for that website. We'll have them linked in the show notes and actually just having a go and getting started. It's a a lot less scary once you press start. Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) And for any listeners who don't identify as an Indigenous Australian, what are some resources available for us to self-educate more on these issues and potentially some suggestions for us to be a really good and genuine ally who can provide more support to other people in our community, whether that's through our workplace or other friends and family? Yeah, definitely. So, of course, our My Money Dream program. So we do that training for non-Indigenous and Indigenous people. As I mentioned before, within this country, it's so important to understand our history. So I feel like that's the first part of that. And our Tomorrow Money website, you can definitely go on there and read about anything and all those tools and resources will help you also understand and be able to share that with any other First Nations people that you may work with. So it's really a platform for Indigenous people but also non-Indigenous people that work and want to understand our Indigenous history. So, yeah, all the education is there. And, you know, also being a genuine ally is about listening, educating, stepping back and actually acknowledging um, the lived experiences of our people across the country and listening to their stories and, you know, giving our women their power back on speaking up on these issues. I think, yeah, just being able to listen, reflect and respect the stories of our history and acknowledging them. And Google is for free, of course, if there's ever anything that you want to know about our culture, our history, it's always on Google. I think a lot of people also forget that we're constantly talking about our own issues and it's that emotional labour, having to re-talk about all of these things when it's all available and it's all there. So I think that's also a very important note to add in as well. Yeah, and really start with the resources that have already been created. And I think you mentioned, uh, was it your organisation that also had a podcast that was available for people to listen to? Yeah, so um, our CEO, Phil Usher, he actually launched the Beyond the Gap podcast that went really well last year. And this year, we'll also be launching a women's focus one as well. We don't have a name for it yet, but it will be coming soon. So we'll keep you updated. But yeah, we'll definitely hear more about that. So stay tuned for that. It'll be really good to talk to Indigenous women that work in financial industries across the country from all walks of life, um, just to share those lived experiences. Mm, And I think that's a very important thing for everyone to have a listen to. And I'll definitely make sure I share it on our social media channels when it goes live, just because having a bit more understanding does help you see where everyone's coming from and help each other on our own financial journeys, wherever that starts from. And Larisha, before we wrap up today's conversation, I have a couple of quick fire questions for you. Now I'm (laughs) starting this now. I haven't done it before, but (laughs) yeah, so we'll see how it goes. Okay. What is your favorite book? My favorite book at the moment is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Wonderful. And what is your favorite podcast right now? My favorite podcast right now is Good Girls Gone Boss by Lynn Alua. Ooh, I haven't heard that one. I'll have to have a look. And if I gave you $1,000 right now that you could spend in any way, but you had to spend it today to maximize your happiness, where would you spend it? 
Oh my goodness. I would buy so many plants for my house. <laughs> You're the indoor plant lady, are you? Yes. Yes. Crazy <laughs> plant lady. That's me. <laughs> yeah. And if you could solve one problem in the world right now, what would that be? I would solve. Oh, wow. That's a huge one. What a quick fire question. <laughs> yes. Homelessness across everywhere. That would be my main. Yeah. If I could solve one one problem, that would be it. No homeless people anywhere. Everyone's financially content and financially secure. That would be it. I think that's a great answer for something you've got on the spot. And to, to wrap up today's episode, what are some of the main points you want listeners to take away if they're only leaving with one thing from this conversation? I think, you know, knowledge is power. Um, and we say this all the time. Also, just being acknowledging where you are on your own journey. I feel no matter where you are, you know, if you're in debt and you're, if you're in financial hardship, whatever it is, whatever you've got going on, there's no money shame and you can begin tomorrow and start a whole new life. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's just about releasing those self-limiting beliefs and releasing the self-doubt and the putting the power back into who you are. You know, we've all survived every single day already that we thought that we couldn't. So I think that's definitely just remembering that and remembering that, you know, there's all these resources and things that are available and especially for Indigenous Australian people as well. So it's just about acknowledging where you are and taking that first step on your own financial journey. Wonderful. I think that's great advice. And I think it sort of relates back to that quote, like you've survived 100%. You've like, what is it? You've got a hundred percent survival rate today. <laughs> it's just been exactly, yeah. And if people, I know we've mentioned quite a few resources today, but if people wanted to connect with you, where where should they go? They can send me an email at larisha jerome um, at fnf.org.au. But yeah, or even on LinkedIn, larisha jerome on LinkedIn. And you know, if there's anybody that wants to actually have the My Money Dream training throughout the organization, then feel free to reach out. I um, would be happy to coordinate. Wonderful. Well, Larisha, thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's very lovely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the How To Money podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send any questions our way via www.howtomoney.online. You can also catch us on Twitter and Instagram at HowToMoneyAUS and we'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to the How To Money Podcast.